God normally when I when I start uh, when I think of what I have to say, normally He just gives me this little word, and I follow that word, and and it leads me to greater things. So when I started uh, preparing, there was something that I could not get off my my head or my my mind is the the fact that every one of us in this lifetime is going to be compared to someone or some something in life. Everyone here, at some stage, you're going to be compared or likened to someone or something else. And whether you agree with it or don't agree with it, whether you like it or you don't like it, you're going to be compared to someone or something. And it will fall in the following two categories. The first category is that there's going to be a physical comparison they will, tell you, they, will, they will compare you to somebody else physically. They will, tell you, they will either look at your facial features, whether it's your nose, your ears, your mouth, your, your eyes, and compare you to somebody else and, and say, actually, you look like so-and-so um, uh, you, or you remind me like so-and-so. And I, I normally like doing this at, uh, at weddings, when, especially when they, during the interval, when, when there's a transition maybe from the photos to, 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 to go into something else. I start looking at individuals and start trying to put them into their respective family, uh, families uh, by just looking at their, their either their, their, their facial features and just to say, oh, that's the, the groom's uh, uh, family member or oh, that's the bride's family member. I normally start doing that and it's, it's quite fun because you're just looking at the features and start seeing, okay, these people are like, they all look the same in this respect. Amen. And, and, and um, uh, normally this exercise is cut short for me because normally the same kind of people group together. They eventually find themselves together. As the English saying goes, that birds of the same feather, they do what? They flock together. And that's why in church, when you come to church, if you are a gossiper, you will find the gossipers easy. If you are a hater, you will find the haters easy. If you are, if you are somebody that, 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 that's just always critiquing and always criticizing other people, you will easily find them. You don't have to, to find a GPS. You will just gravitate towards them. So people normally find each other. Amen. Believers will find each other. Those who are passionate about God will find each other. The second comparison that I have uh, noticed uh, and, and, and seen is a comparison by association. This is where there are shared beliefs uh, or, or, or acquired attributes or mannerisms that we borrow from each other. So when, what I mean by that, when you spend a lot of time with other people, you start rub, some, something starts rubbing off on you. There are things that start rubbing off on you and you also rub things off onto another person. But this rubbing off, it all depended on who is the greater influencer in that situation. If somebody is more of an influencer in that relationship, more of them will rub off onto you and less of you will rub off onto them. Are we together? I remember this one time, uh, I think it was last year, we had a team from South Africa. This team normally comes every year just to help out. They do some mission work. They come and help out at Morningstar, at Nkulumani with Dumi, and actually also come here uh, to King City. And we were having lunch and mingling and, and getting to know each other. And this, I, I came across this guy who had lived in Zimbabwe, learned in Zimbabwe, uh, and had now moved to, to South Africa. And as we got to, to, to know each other, he said, Clive, you know what? You remind me of someone. 
And I was like, um, uh, what? He, 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 and he said, you remind me of someone that I used to learn with at high school, and you was my best friend. And I was curious to find out who this person was because he learned in Harare. I, I le I've lived in Bulawayo. And I was just curious. And he happened to mention, of all the thousands of people, millions of people, he happened to mention my cousin's name. Because there was some physical simil similarity and something in me that made him think, you have been in association with this guy that used to be my best friend. There is a story in the Bible where comparison is linked to association. In Acts 4, verse 13, I'll invite you to turn there. Acts, 14, uh, Acts 4, verse 13. Acts 4, verse 13. Are we all there? verse 13, it says the following. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and recognized that they had been with Jesus. We started this year on a series called Live in the Way. And this term we'll be looking at being with Jesus. And before I take a look at what it means to be with Jesus and uh, delve into what it, it takes to be with Jesus, let me start off by giving you the background of Acts 4, verse 13. Peter and John are on their way to the temple in the ninth hour of, uh, of, pray, of prayer. And as they are going to the temple, they meet a lame man, a man who had been lame from birth, and they heal this man. And after they heal this man, just imagine there is a crowd going to the temple or, and, and they, they happen to see this notable miracle that has just happened because this man is about 40 years old and he, something has happened and that, that, that has caused this man to be healed. And as, they, as people start mingling, as people, uh, you can imagine uh, if, there were, if there were cell phones in those days, as people start video, videoing uh, so that they can spread it, uh, so that this issue is viral. It becomes viral within the temple and people are coming out of the temple just to see what has happened. And, and Peter decides that I will share the gospel. I will start, I'll stand up and share the gospel. As he shares the gospel, the captains and the scribes of the temple arrest Peter and John and put them in custody in church, in temple, in the temple. May I, may I say this? There are some churches, some, some ministries, some, some doctrines that put you in bondage. Be careful of those things. Be careful of what you listen to because there are certain things where you might be thinking, I'm going to church, but there are certain teachings that will put you in bondage and put you in prison. Whereas Jesus says, I've come to set the prisoner at, uh, uh, at liberty. But there are certain things that will put you, uh, that will make you captive. So they are arrested. The following day, they are brought before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is made up of the high priests, the elders, and the leaders of the, the, the synagogue. And Peter is given an opportunity to speak. As he speaks, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And as he is speaking, the, the, the leaders all of a sudden realize that there is something so familiar about this individual. 
They can't really put their finger on it, but they are like, this individual reminds us of someone because it had been about 40 days plus that they had crucified Jesus prior. And, and, and they're saying there's something about this individual that reminds us about that individual that we killed. And they say he has been with Jesus. It is not the eloquence of how Peter puts his speech before the, before the Sanhedrin. It is not the theological exposition of scripture that he lays down before the Sanhedrin. It is not the theological doctrines of eschatology that he has, that he happens to be carrying in his CV profile uh, as he walks around. It is not all those things because they say this man is uneducated and he's a commoner. But the thing that differentiates or distinguishes Peter is the boldness in which he speaks. He is bold. And that's, that, and, and that's the thing that distinguishes, that should distinguish all of us. When you have been with Jesus, we should see boldness in your life. We should see you being bold in what you do. Because the Bible says of Jesus, whenever you would teach, the Bible says he would teach with such authority. They said, this man is not like all the other religious teachers. He teaches with authority. When you are with Jesus Christ, we should see authority in your life. We should see boldness in your life. Because you have not been given a spirit of timidity, or, but you have been given a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. Boldness should exude from your presence. It should, it should come out of your presence because you are in the presence of a greater one. That's what should, we should see. Something I've observed and it doesn't, it's not meant to be judgmental or nor is it meant to bring condemnation to any person. Something I've observed is when you don't go to the gym, you start gaining weight in certain areas. That's an observation I've noticed. Amen, dears. <laughs> I've noticed that. But spiritually... When you don't spend time with Jesus Christ, we see it in the lack of assurance in your prayer. We see it in the lack of hope in your life. We see it in the lack of faith in your speech. We see it in the lack of boldness in your walk. Those who don't spend time with God, it's easy for us to tell just by observing your life. For the Bible says, those who know their God will do great and mighty exploits. So if you know your God, you would be bold and you would do great and mighty exploits. It is easy to fake being bold. It is easy to fake having a relationship with God and building a relationship with God by carrying a large Bible coming to church. Or when we are asked to pray by praying elongated prayers uh, and long prayers to show us that you are with God. Or using big words when you are praying to show us that you are with God. It's so easy to fake. But you will be exposed. The Bible says in Acts 19, it talks about a, a, a man, uh, his sons called Sceva. Sceva is not a virus from Asia. Sceva is a, is a high priest who was in Ephesus. And Sceva, Sceva had seven sons. And these seven sons saw Paul 
casting out demons from people. And they thought to themselves, we can do exactly the same as this man is doing. All we need to do is have exactly the same uh, voice activation or voice code. That is, just use that same voice uh, activation that Paul is using and boom, the demon will come out. So they looked for a, a demon-possessed man and they put it in Bulawai notice board because there are some demon-possessed people in that group. Um, they put it in Bulaa notice board and somebody came forth and they said, listen, we'll cast out a demon from you. And they said, in Jesus' name, whom Paul preaches, come out. And the demon spoke back to them. And the demon said, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize. Jesus I know. Paul, I recognize, he's an associate. He's, he's, I can compare, I can liken him to have, uh, as uh, liken him to one who spends time with Jesus. I can liken him to that. But who are you? And the Bible says that these guys were wounded. They were beaten up. And they came out running from that room naked, exposed. All because they wanted to be likened as those who spend time with Jesus by only, only saying a certain few words, the right words, and not spending time with Jesus. For three years, the disciples, Paul, Peter, and Paul, uh, Peter and John uh, and the other disciples would, would, would build their relationship on the following two things. They would build their relationship on city, with sitting with Jesus and, and walking with Jesus. And I believe that we ought to model our lives and our relationships with Jesus Christ in, those, in these following two models. I'm not saying this is the only way. I'm just giving you uh, 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 ways that you and I can, can grow in a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. Number one, sitting with Jesus. There is a great story in the Bible that talks about sitting with Jesus Christ. And this is found in Luke 10, verse 38 to 42. Luke 10, verse 38 to 42. You don't have to turn there. It's, uh, it's up on the screen. But it says the following. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Wherever, wherever Jesus would go, you would find him sitting and teaching. Wherever you would go. In a certain boat that he entered, which belonged to Peter and John, the, the guys we just looked at in Acts 4, he, the, the, he entered the boat and sat and taught the multitudes. On a certain occasion, he sat on the Sermon on the Mount and taught and gave the Beatitudes. In another occasion, he was in a house with the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees, all seated down as, a, as a, a man who was paralytic, was lowered down through the roof. Oh, what was he doing? He was sitting and teaching. If you were asked to find Jesus Christ right now, if he was alive, you'll probably find him sitting and teaching. And those who were with him 
would be doing what? They'll be sitting and listening. My encouragement or all I'm trying to say to you is that we need to find time. We need to find uh, opportunity or make time for you and I to sit and listen to the word of God. Because that's the good portion that no one can take away from you. You and I need to find the, the, the make time for during the day or, or whenever so that we can sit and listen and take from the Word of God, study the Word of God, be taught by the Word of God, and sit and be with Jesus Christ as he teaches us. There are many things that can distract us. Just like Mary, she had so many good things that distracted her, like serving Jesus Christ. She thought by serving Jesus, she was being with Jesus. But on the contrary, she was not being with Jesus. When you sit, sit down and you are with Christ in the word and you value the word, you are sitting and taking of the good portion. Turn to your neighbor and say, sit down. If you're, most of, most of the people... Most of the people or some, if your neighbor said, no, I'm already seated, turn to them again and ask them, are you seated? <laughs> it reminds me of a story. There was this young boy who decided to be the class clown on that day. Most probably an MCC boy. We would call him Brandon for lack of names. Ah, you're here. <laughs> um, he decided to be the class clown and decided to stand up and make noise. And the teacher turned to, the, to this class clown and said, sit down. And the class clown said, no, I will not sit down. And... The teacher escalated the, the threat and said, you go to the naughty corner. He said, still, I won't sit down. And you've been still continuously a, cl a class clown. And the teacher said, I will beat you up. I will give you a whipping. He said, still, I'm not going to sit down. Then the teacher said, I'm going to call your dad. And the class clown decided, okay, it's time up. Let me sit down. But as this class clown was sitting down, was going to sit down, turned to the teacher and said, even though I am sitting, I'm still standing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we could be here today to in church listening to the, to the same preaching, but the, fun, the, 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 the thing that we have to uh, realize is that right now there is somebody doing their grocery list. Right now there is somebody, there's somebody doing their budget. Right now, at this very moment, there's somebody most probably uh, formulating what they're going to tell him. <laughs> the mind is such an incredible organ. It can, it can, it's a, it can move from here to pass Bay Bridge with no passport and find itself at Santon, seated right now. But you are here physically. We can see you, but you're not here. All I'm saying is that if you're going to be with any person in life, you have to be present. 
spirit, soul, and body. You cannot be here and there. And most people are here and there. They are, whilst they're reading the word of God, they are somewhere else. Whilst they're praying to the same God, they are that side. They are distracted by many things. Just as it says in Mark 4, verse 19, it says that, that, that uh, the, the many are distracted by the cares of this world, by, by, by the desires of other things, and by the deceitfulness of riches. You can be easily distracted whilst you are here. We may be together, but are we really together? Another thing that distracts people is the wrong interpretation of the word of God. Because even as I speak or if anyone speaks, you are filtering in the, through the way you have learned something. Even if the person is correct, you are filtering it through the way you have learned it. In Colossians 2 verse, verse 8, Colossians 2 verse 8 says the following, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. We can read the same word, and some people will take out motivation. They will take out self-help uh, um, uh, things from the word of God, the same Bible, and yet they will not take out Christ. We need to understand that the word of God, if we are going to spend time with Jesus Christ, we need to understand that the word of God is about Christ, is for Christ, and, and, and it, it's all about Jesus Christ. Nothing else. It's not about motivation and self-help. It's nothing to do about that. It's only about an individual. That's what the word of God is. And it's for you to, and to, to get to know that individual. John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word of God is God. It is Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ is the express image of God, and Jesus is the Word of God, do the math. The Word of God is the express image of God. That's what the Word of God is. But we can read it according to our own filters. So my question to you today is, what does your word time look like? Rather, what does your Jesus time look like? Is your Jesus time, is your Jesus time made up of, tick the box, I've read the scripture that I need to do this morning. Is your Jesus time made up of, and understand, I'm not saying it's wrong. Is it made up of YouTube? Is it made up of podcasts? Is it made up of Google? Google has, seems to have taken the place of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know about Jesus Christ, Google. Let me tell you something about Google. Google uses analytics, matrix. That's what, what it uses. So if you type in headache right now, it will tell you you've got coronavirus. That's what Google will tell you. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ, and he teaches us Christ and tells us the things of Christ. Therefore, sit and read the word of God and take in what the word of God says, and the Holy Spirit will aid you and help you to receive from the word of God. Second point, walking with Jesus. 
The thing about these guys, they had to walk miles and miles. There were no cars in those days. They had to walk miles and miles with Jesus Christ. And if, if they were wearing Fitbits, they would clock their steps like no man's business. In this point, I just want to ask, are you clocking your steps in a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because you need to walk with them. You need to, to, to clock those steps. They would walk from one city to another with Jesus Christ. And there is no other better way of getting to know a person by embarking on a journey. By taking a journey with that person, you get to know them very well. You get to know whether they snow, whether they, how they eat. You get to know everything about them when you embark on a journey with that individual. Amos 3 verse 3 says, can two walk together unless they are in agreement? Can two walk unless they are in agreement together? Unless there's a certain understanding or a certain uh, uh, friendship that, that eventually forms and, and formulates, you cannot walk together with your enemy. And you, when you begin on this uh, journey with Jesus Christ, it may not be seem very comfortable. Just as you uh, would jump into a car, uh, if you were to jump in a, into a car with somebody that you do not know, you would always feel like it's quite uncomfortable and you'll start talking about the weather. You will talk about many other things before you go, go into the deeper things. A walk with Jesus Christ is a journey. And that journey is a ticket not to, to heaven only. That journey is a ticket to know him. The Bible says the following in John 17 verse 3. This is eternal life. I'll ask you to read that. This is eternal life. That they may know him who is the true God. And they may know the one that he sent, Jesus. So when we talk about eternal life, we talk about heaven. But eternal life is actually this, that you may know God and Jesus Christ. And the ticket that you have when you get born again is to know him. It's a, a journey of knowing him. Even through eternity, you will still be getting to know him. And this journey begins with being born again. In Colossians 2 verse 6, it says the following. It says, as you have received him, as you have received him, therefore walk in him. As you have received him, therefore walk in him. How did you receive Jesus Christ? You received Jesus Christ by faith. So how are you going to walk in him? You're going to walk in him by faith. You're going to know him by faith. You're going to know God and going to know Jesus Christ by faith, by taking steps of faith and not, and not having some head knowledge. It begins with this journey begins with faith and it continues with faith and it will end with faith. It, nothing will, will, will change. For you to know God, you will have to walk in faith. And as you journey with him, after having made small talk, just as you would journey in a car, jump into a car, you might reach, reach uh, the, the stretches like Makado to Baitbridge or Shangani to, to Gweru, where it's a long stretch with nothing. You'll find yourself talking to him. You'll find those are the stretches where you will find yourself getting to know him deeper and deeper because there is nothing else. The best no way to know God is when there is no one else and it's just you and him. 
That's the best way of knowing God. And as you get to know God, you will get to know him as the one who walks on water. Therefore, I can walk on water. As you get to know God, you will know him as the one who breaks bread, gives thanks and breaks bread and the fish. Therefore, I will break up my life and give to other people. That's how we see that you have spend, been spending time with, with this Jesus Christ. As you get to know him, you will know him as the one who sleeps through the storms. Even when he is woken up in the storm, he will quieten the storm. If you've been spending time with Jesus, we'll get to know you have been spending time with Jesus through the peace that you have and your authority and boldness to quieten the storm around you. But for you to get to know him, the first step is to get born again. And if you're here today for, and you, you walked in or you've been coming here for some time uh, and you've been saying, you know what, I'll, 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 I'm waiting for the opportune time to know him. Today is the opportune time. 